into the church to start off with in the capacity of assistant pastor. And so it was a significant message for me. And I drew attention to the, the part where it talks about enlarging the place of your tent. Um, and the word enlarge that's used in Isaiah 54 is the word rehab. Rehab is not the English word rehab, um, but rehab, which means to be wide or to be broad. So it's broaden the length of your tent. And uh, one of the books that I was using at the time said that it's a term that's used to describe the breadth or expanse of land or the width of an object. The root often occurs in spaciousness of the land, uh, in the land of Canaan. And the reference was Genesis chapter 26, verse 2, which is what we'll talk about today. And it's the root name of the place that's in the passage that we'll talk about today. The, the name is Rehoboth. Rehoboth. Has anybody heard that word before? Rehoboth. Some people have heard it. One or two hands. Get up. And I, I want to just kind of think about that today. And I'll try not to, to keep everybody too long. But I said at the time, I believe that God is calling us to a new place, not to the wells that our fathers dug. And that's not to dis disrespect what our fathers uh, did in any way. We're not to dig wells that are to be disputed over. Our Rehoboth is a new well that will not be disputed or fought over, for the Lord has given us room. There is a place for us in this community, but we need to invest in it. We will do that by reaching out into our community. We are not called to be insular. We are not to be an island, but a spacious land. And some of you already are saying, where the heck is he going? Right? Where the heck is he going with this? You need to just bear with me a little minute. I also made reference on that day to the passage which I'm going to share, which I'm going to share from in Genesis 26. That was back in 2011, and since that time, the church has grown in many ways, not least in our reach into the community. Probably some people remember this, that earlier that year, God spoke uh, through Julie Gilchrist about new things being birthed. Do you remember that? She used the phrase birthing rooms. And uh, just later on that year, Ray Stokes, the prophet who comes and spends time with us every year, uh, Ray actually said some things which built upon, uh, built upon that word. So it was reinforced. And we've seen since that time new things spring into life in the church. We have treasure kids, for example. Most of you are too old for treasure kids. Sorry about that. We have jump for a day, which we had last Saturday with 117 bouncy kids jumping about. And it was very exciting. We've had Galladay floats for the first time in a long time, uh, thanks to some people over here uh, who are Galladay daft. But that, that's been a, a great way to be part of the life of our community. We've also had the toddler group spring up with all the little babies. And if you're ever uh, around on a Friday uh, morning, come in here and you will see what goes on here. Uh, lots and lots of activity, lots of noise, lots of happy people. And sometimes little tiny sad people because somebody stole their toy. <laughs> well, that's the toddler group and it's, it's going well, Terry, isn't it? So it's, it's very exciting to see what's happening there. Of course, we've had the drop-in start as well down in uh, Bristfield Hall. 
uh, down on the main street and the drop-in has uh, reached lots and lots of teenagers and just a, a safe place to be away from the, the fights outside and all the kind of stuff that goes on in the street. And the drop-in's been a, a real blessing, I think, to the community. And then lastly, West Lothian Food Bank. Could you maybe pop up my presentation, please, Terry? Uh, I'll pass all that, because I've already said that. Um, and just this week, uh, there was a, a volunteer's dinner for the, uh, the volunteers, obviously, in West Lothian Food Bank. Is it 140 volunteers? 145 volunteers, of which 90 were at the Hillcroft on Thursday night enjoying a meal and being appreciated for the work that they do um, throughout all of these different places. So in Whitburn we've got the, 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 the kind of sorting area, the, the, the distribution point uh, and the charity shop. In Knightsridge there's a big warehouse which we get from the council uh, rent free. Um, and then there's all these other uh, outreaches uh, spread out across West Lothian where people can come and get food pretty much um, any day during the week. And so it's been made very accessible. But this is another one of those things which has sprung up, sprung up in the life of the church. Um, we've also helped to reintroduce the Cozy Cafe down at Brucefield, um, primarily through uh, Brandon being uh, a kind of front man for that. And uh, we also ran a successful cafe church in Livingston through Brandon and Melissa, uh, which unfortunately had to stop when they went back to the USA. We also had changes in the way that we approached uh, the life groups that are part of the church. So we just sort of branched out into having small groups as well as life groups, short burst groups where people could come for six weeks and look at a particular subject. And uh, they've been very successful, I have to say. And uh, of course, run alongside the life group program. But it's also worth kind of noting that recently it's been a kind of funny journey, hasn't it? Been a kind of strange time in the journey. Um, we had looked at moving our Sunday morning gathering, our service that we have here, down to Whitburn Academy, and it was all guns blazing, and we were going for it, and we'd made that decision. And we were getting prepared to do that and uh, just getting ourselves positioned for that. When along came another opportunity which we thought, this is a good opportunity. And so we put in a proposal and we sent it to the co-op's broker who was dealing with uh, all their uh, the kind of selling of the building out at the roundabout there. Um, and we got pipped at the post. We just had somebody come in. Uh, and uh, put in a, an offer uh, which was accepted and just a few months ago we were hit with that news and we thought this is really strange what's happening because we really thought that that was the right thing and uh, now we find ourselves in another funny position uh, with our senior pastor and his good lady wife uh, stepping down from, from what they do and it's a strange place for a church to be and, and I just wanted to kind of draw attention to the journey that we've been on. So in, in many ways, there's been this kind of mushroom of activity and growth, and God has been blessing it. But there's, there's been this other side to the journey uh, that we've been on. And it's with this kind of picture that I've been painting, this backdrop, that I want to share um, 
a little bit, a little bit about where we are just now. We're in a de- we're definitely in a season of change and transition. Who likes change? Tim Potter likes change. Grace likes change. Right, Laura likes change. Anybody else like change? Stephen likes change. Okay. So some people like change. I don't have any change, actually. I spent it all yesterday. Um, some people are really up for change and love change. I am not one of those people, if I'm being totally honest. But there's one thing that I do. I recognize that change is necessary. Okay? For you young people who are still at Whitburn Academy, change was necessary when you came out of primary seven and went into primary one. It was necessary, wasn't it? And when you enter fifth or sixth year or whenever you leave the school, change is necessary. When you go into college, you start to learn new things. But there comes a point in time where change is necessary. We can't stay in the same place as we've always been. Change needs to happen. And some of the changes which we have experienced and will experience are deep changes. And by definition, that's changes that we don't come back from. It's not like changing the colour of the walls. Like, I don't like that colour, so we'll paint them green or something. I'm just hoping Andrew can hear that. Right? <laughs> These are changes which you can change and you can come back from it. It doesn't really make too much difference. But changes that happen, the changes that we're experiencing are deep changes. We don't go back from those kind of changes. And we need to think about how we pre- prepare ourselves for that. And one of the things that I felt strongly when I realized that we weren't getting uh, the new building was that we needed to take some time to just hit the pause button and to listen. All the the activity that I've talked about, all the things that go on in this building week in, week out, will still happen, okay? But for us as a church, I think we need to hit the pause button. And we need to just take some time to stop and to listen what God is saying to us and this is what I kind of thought I'm missing my presentation here I'm just kind of running on I'm getting too excited that's what it is it will need to happen in our personal prayer lives before God there needs to be a hitting of the pause button to stop and to listen to what God is saying to you and to I as individuals It will need to happen amongst leaders of groups and ministries. And one of the things that we were chatting about on Wednesday night at Treasure Kids was the need to actually just take some time to pray for the work that we're doing and to pray for the boys and girls who come along every Wednesday night. And my encouragement is that we really stop to think and pray about all the different ministries that we're involved in. All sorts of things going in this building through the course of a week. And my encouragement is that as teams, that you just take a minute to stop and to pray together and to really say, okay, Lord, what is it you want to do in this ministry this year as we kind of kick off after the summer? What are the new things that you want to do? But it will also need to happen in the corporate life of the church. This is something that we need to focus on for a while. And I don't know how long that will be. But the one thing that I've chatted with the life group leaders about is that we need to just press the pause button on the life groups uh, for a little while, um, probably until the end of the year, 
uh, and maybe look at relaunching life groups in the new year. But we need to press the pause button on that particular aspect of church life so that it gives us space to come together and listen. And uh, what I would like us to do is to come together on a Tuesday evening uh, to pray as many as possible, to come together to pray and uh, just to hear what God is saying to us, to hear what God is saying to you and to us corporately. And I, I just kind of feel that that is an important step for us to take. It's not a step back, it's a step forward. And uh, we need to be convinced about what God is saying to us. And that's my, that's my introduction. Now I have another four points. Okay, you think I'm kidding. <laughs> but they're very short points. Let me just read a passage from Scripture. I've put a picture up here to help us to get a bit of context. This might have been what it looked like for Isaac, other than the big metal bits, because I don't think they had them in those days. Okay. Um, we'll draw attention to that a bit more in a second. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 says, Now there was a famine in the land, uh, besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Big words. There was a famine in the land of Isaac's time, at this particular time. And uh, as I look at our country today, as I look at our world, I think spiritually there's a famine. There's a rise in secularism and humanism combined with the screaming voices of the new atheists such as uh, Richard Dawkins, um, probably fueled by events such as 9-11, which we're very close to, sell, uh, to remembering. Um, and uh, just these days as we look in the news, the, just the rampant activity of IS, Islamic State. And I think it causes people to turn away from God, to turn away from religion. Certainly 9-11 has what's fueled the New Atheists Manifesto. And it causes people to turn away from God. It causes other voices to be heard other than God's voice, other than the church. And add to that the scandals that we've read in the newspapers which have happened in the churches in recent times. And perhaps the way that these have been dealt with sometimes. And I think the church has been disempowered. Um, it's lost its voice. It's lost its integrity and its authority to speak into our society. And I say that as a general thing. Not every church, but just generally. There is this lack in our society and the question is what next verse 2 the Lord appeared to Isaac and said do not go down to Egypt live in the land where I tell you to live stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you for to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commandments, my decrees and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. One of the things that really speaks to me through that verse is this thing about your offspring. Uh, through your offspring all nations will be blessed. We are Isaac's offspring. Did you know that? We are here because of their obedience, because of their faith, 
If you read the big story of the Bible, it leads to Jesus. And then there's Acts chapter 29. Has anybody read Acts chapter 29? Pardon? There isn't an Acts chapter 29. There isn't. You're right. Because Acts chapter 29, we're living that out. We are part of this story. And we are here because of this incredible obedience of these people who lived thousands and thousands of years ago. It's all working out according to God's plan. Isaac obeyed God. He heard God and he obeyed God. And we can learn from his obedience. We need to listen to what God has sent to us today. And we need to obey. Who remembers the little song? Trust and obey, for there's no other way. It's to trust and obey. I learned that when I was a little tiny, tiny guy. Trust and obey. Listen to what God is saying. Trust him by obeying it. It's so simple, but yet it gets so complicated. If you read Psalm 119, it's full of David's appreciation of God's commandments and his desire to listen to them, to have them in his heart, to follow uh, God's commandments. Let's jump a few verses uh, to Genesis 26, verse 17. You can read the other bit in the middle later if you want. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped him up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Now I don't know if anybody's noticed in this picture this bizarre thing that's at the back. Has anybody noticed that? You noticed it, Josh? Well, zoom in on it. Does anybody know what that is? Ah, what? A well. Yeah. The tent has been pitched next to a place where there's water. Next to a place where there's sustenance and where there is life. This is what it says here. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, which means contention. Because they quarreled with him, uh, then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one also. So he called the name Sitna, which means strife. I'm adding the which means bit in myself, okay, just so you're, in case you're reading along. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And I think there's a parallel here with what's happening with us. I think God has made space for us and is continuing to make space for us in order that we might be fruitful in the land. God's not finished doing what he's doing. Water is important. In my personal life, I like to watch programs on television by Ray Mears and uh, his name's written in my head, Bear Grylls. Josh and I like to watch these programs and they talk about all the survival priorities. Of course, up near the top is water. 
shelter, water, food, fire, signaling for help, travel, all these things. But we need water in order to sustain us. Water is the essence of life, I think. Is it about 60% of our bodies is made up of water? And so water is essential for life. Isaac, as a traveler, understood the vitality of water, not only for himself, but for his family and his servants, but also for his herds, for his livestock. And so it would be important to pitch his tent in a place where there was that provision of water. Water is vital for life, says he, as he takes another drink of water. Vital for me to keep talking. We know that water is vital because we, we just experience it every day. We don't think about it. But in Bulgaria, for those who were on this team, you'll remember this. Um, this is this kind of area here. That's that's a tap. This whole thing is called a chesma. You probably all know that already anyway. But we went out uh, to Bulgaria and we helped to construct this area which was a nice place for people to sit. 300 people glean water from this one tap, from this one source. Water is vitally important for life. But also in the Bible, there's this parallel between water and the Holy Spirit. If water means life for our physical body, the Holy Spirit means life for our spiritual body. We need the life of the Spirit. And I'm going to show you just a few verses. Uh, John chapter 4 verse 10 says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is the story of the woman at the well. And she didn't know what Jesus was talking about. What do you mean living water? Water where I drink and I'll no need to drink again. Well, of course he wasn't talking about physical water. He was talking about something else. But then John chapter 7 explains it. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Okay. He says, as the scriptures has said, and if you look at the reference, it takes you back into Isaiah 58. And it says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And these verses tell us that we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to sustain our life, our spiritual life as individuals, but also our corporate life as a church. There was um, some things which were shared by Ray uh, the last time he was here, which I felt might be significant to share today. And this is what he said. These are days, says the Lord, in which I will call people to arise and stand with me and to say, God, fulfill your will. God, fulfill your promise. God, come and touch the earth once again and let life begin to flow. Life begin to flow. That life that we're talking about is the life of the Spirit. And it needs to flow in us and through us. There's a responsibility on the church. 
Let the river begin to flow. Let the clouds of rain start to come and let it begin to water the earth. This is the day, says the Lord. This is the day. This is the time to arise. And I remember sitting where David was sitting when Ray was sharing these things and being utterly overwhelmed as I listened to what he was saying. Utterly overwhelmed because I knew that what he was saying was from God. It was resonating within every single aspect of my my being. I thought, God, you are speaking here into the life of this church. It's time to arise. It's time to allow the life of God to flow through us, every single one of us. Do you know, this applies right across the board. And it applies to everybody, from the youngest to the oldest, to allow this life of God to flow through us. Because I believe, like Bill Hybels, that the local church is the hope of the world. I think we are making a difference in our community. Through all the activities and groups which are going on, we are making a difference. And if all we do is give somebody a glass of water, then we're making a difference. Point two, very quickly. Not settling near contention or strife. I pray that those days are behind us as a church. And Andrew mentioned last week about the importance of unity. Each of us are unique. Each of us have our own unique perspective on life and the world. And that's a good thing. God has designed us that way. But we need to unite around God's plan for us as a church and face the changes that lie ahead. If we don't unite, if we don't face the changes that lie ahead, then what is in store is decline. I don't believe that's going to happen. But that's the alternative. And we can look up and down the length and breadth of our country and see churches that are in decline. And they're in decline because they have not embraced what God has said and they've not embraced change and not realized that things maybe need to be done differently around here. Okay? But I don't believe that's our future. I believe that God is making room for us. It's abundantly clear. If you've you've been around this place long enough, you will know the things that have happened in in the community and things that have been said about this fellowship. God has overturned that. Okay? It's like George Curl when he's losing at Scrabble. Okay? <laughs> when George loses at Scrabble, the board just goes, boop! Right? I've seen that happen. Don't you look at me like that. <laughs> and God can come along and he can just go, boop! Up goes the game. I'm changing the rules here, he says. Right? God can do whatever God likes. Our place is to be obedient to what he's saying. We can only be obedient if we actually know what he's saying. And so listening to what God says is important. And I'm almost finished. Digging wells is hard work. I've never ever tried to dig a well. I've dug at the seashore and I've been digging through the sand until you eventually get to where the water is, sea level, That's as close as I've got to digging a well. But digging wells is hard work. And the thing that we need most is actually at the bottom of the well. So we've got to keep digging until we get it. The thing that's at the bottom of the well is water. And the spiritual analogy here is that we need to dig 
wells of prayer that allow us to tap into all that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, you as an individual, me as an individual, the ministries in this church, in the food bank, in the Friday Fellowship, whatever it might be, God wants us to drill down and to tap in to the depths of what he has for all of these areas of ministry. And all it takes is for him to come along and put his finger in something and it will go from good to absolutely blooming great. Right? That's his purpose. Not for us to be doing things in our own strength, but for him to come and flow through us and to bring that life of the Spirit through us into all of these things. Digging wells is hard work. We need the power of the Holy Spirit getting lost I thought I had some other points here but I've not okay let's go to this one then Uh, something which I read on the 17th of August uh, this year and it was a devotional which came out from Gary Rucci Gary's on the national leadership team one of Andrew's colleagues Uh, he heads up the mission aspect of Assemblies of God in the UK and this is what he said I maybe shouldn't have put that up because you've read all the important bits by now instead of listening to me He says, there are incredible shifts happening in the world today. People migration, urbanization, and globalization present both challenges and opportunities for the church in Britain and beyond. In terms of mobilization and church expansion, God is moving powerfully in the developing world. Missionaries are being thrust out out, out all over the world from poorer nations. Historical receivers have become great senders of missionaries. The church in China, Korea, Brazil, India, and Nigeria are the new leaders in mission, uh, missionary mobilization. The east is coming to the west, and the, north, the south is coming to the north. These men and women have rediscovered uh, principles and keys that have ignited church planting movements. And as I read this, I thought, Lord, you are speaking. I know you are speaking. I hear what you're saying. It says they have redug the wells of prayer. They have tarried for the Spirit's power. They have sacrificed. And they have obeyed the pattern outlined in the book of Acts. And as I read that, I thought, this is exactly what God is saying. This is exactly what God is saying to us as a church and to other Assemblies of God churches across the nation as Gary sends something like this out I know that this is resonating with people that we redig the wells of prayer that we tarry for the Spirit's power waiting on the Spirit's power that we come back to this place of trusting and obeying and it might need some sacrifice along the way And it was really interesting that Andrew shared last week from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. He kind of stole my thunder. I thought I need to change my message for this week. But this is what it says, and it's up on the screen. They devoted themselves. Before I go on, let me tell you a little story, which Andrew told me this week, about a man who he met in St. Andrews, who was up at 3 o'clock in the morning, down at this place on the old course, waiting in a line to see if maybe, just maybe, 
there would be a cancellation where he could get himself onto the old course and play. Just maybe a cancellation. And he had to get there early enough to avoid the queue. That is what I call devoting yourself. Devoting yourself. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Unity, that speaks to me of unity. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. And that's the pattern that he's referring to. And that's a tall order for anyone, for any church. I'm going to finish off and ask the question, do you hear God calling you today? Do you hear him say, come and follow? It's what he's always said, come and follow. Come on an adventure. God is calling us, he's calling you, he's calling me. I believe that he wants us to walk in new life, in his life, in power, his power. And I believe he wants us to walk at higher levels than we've walked before. God is doing significant things in our world today. It might not look like it in the UK, but he is. My desire is to see the life of God flow out like streams going into a desert place. To see God do something in us that will reverberate down through the generations. I'm so encouraged to see so many of our young people uh, in the church today. And uh, my desire is that you find God and that you move into all that God has for you. Because I believe that the reason I'm here is not for necessarily this generation, but the generations to come. Because we're not just building something for ourselves here. We're building something that I believe God wants to do something significant that will reverberate down through the generations so that it'll bless my children and my children's children and their children and beyond that's my prayer, is that God does something so, so significant in us and through us that people will stand up and listen and people will see him. They'll just point to God and say, it's him. It's, a, it's all about him. All about him. That's what I'm living for. That's what I get up out of my bed for. Well, actually, I get up to make sure Josh is up to go to school, but you know what I'm saying? That's why I exist. God desires to do a new thing in you and in me and in us as a church. The question is, are we ready for it? Are we up for the challenge? Do we really believe that God can do it? Do we believe in ourselves that God can use us? I believe 100% that he can. And my encouragement is that we begin to fan these things into flame 
and that we begin to seek God and seek his face and see him work in us and through us. Let's just close our eyes and pray. The musicians are going to come back up. And let's just take a moment Father, we thank you. We thank you for this incredible gift that you have given us, this gift of life. And Father, we thank you for this incredible hope which we have, that, Father, the, the, the life we live here just now is not just for just now, but goes beyond into something that's eternal. Father, the things which you're doing in us are not just for us, but for the next generation and for the generation after that. Father, that you are doing things which uh, only you can do. And Father, we want to give ourselves to you afresh today. Father, we want to give ourselves to your purposes. Father, when we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We really mean it. But show us what it means to actually see these things to come to pass. Lord, we thank you for all that you've been doing. We thank you for the fruit that we enjoy in the life of the church. Father, we thank you that people are giving their hearts to you and following you and becoming your disciples. And Father, we just thank you for these things. But Lord, we give ourselves to that purpose. Lord, we give ourselves to the purpose of seeing boys and girls coming to know you, to seeing young people coming to know you. Father, to see adults coming to know you to see older people coming to know you. Father, we have nobody else to point them to other than you. And Father, we pray that that would be our motivation all the time, is to point people to Jesus, to point people to you. Father, just as Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, if we're looking to you, then we can't help other people look as well. And so, Father, we pray that you do a new thing in us. And Father, I pray your blessing over this congregation. And I include myself in that. Father, that you bless us and that you keep us and that you'd make your face to shine upon us and that you give us peace. And Lord, we pray that as we go into a season, we're already in a season of change, a season of transition. Lord, that you would protect us and that you keep us safe through that transition. Father, I pray for Andrew and Lois and the family, that you keep them safe through this transition. And Father, that you would open up your heart and purpose for them, that you would show them what their next step is. And Father, I know that you will bless them in that step and that you will cause them to flourish as they keep walking forward in all that you have for them. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for all that you're doing in our presence, in our midst. Father, we just thank you for the incredible uh, gifts which you shower upon us. And Lord, we do pray that you'd help us to really appreciate you in our times of worship, in our times of prayer and thanksgiving. Lord, to really appreciate all that you're doing for us. So Father, bless us. Bless the boys and girls. Bless every ministry that is part of this church. And Father, even the ones which are not, the ones which we get involved in and helping in other places, 
and we get our sleeves rolled up. Lord, we pray that you bring blessing. We pray for your church across Scotland, not just in Whitburn, but across Scotland. Lord, that you would do something new in your church. Father, that you would revive your church once again. And Father, even uh, just as we were thinking earlier on uh, this morning in the prayer meeting about the fact that Scotland is a covenant nation, Father, we pray that you just restore the things which have been lost and stolen. And Father, that you bring new things into this nation, things which will honour you and bring glory to you. So Father, we just thank you for our time together today. Lord, I pray, my prayer is that our response would be to say yes to all that you're doing. Our response would be to say, include me. Our response would be to say, I'm going to follow you and all that you have. Lord, that we might see great things happen. Father, we just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. And uh, we will be careful to give you all the glory. And Lord, we'll know if we're not. But Lord, we want to just bring glory to you in our lives, in our fellowship, in our ministries, in our groups. In Jesus' name. Okay. We're going to take up our offering, sing a closing song and uh, if anybody wants to chat after the service, make sure you do it after you've signed that book or written something in that book through there okay, don't forget, happy to chat, if there's something that's resonated with you today and you want to chat through it more then, then feel free okay, to do that